This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. So good to be at High Desert. Uh, have loved every time I've been here. And I'm glad I'm here on Mrs. Pastor's birthday. How cool is that to be able to be here and celebrate with uh, Pastor Bernie and Mrs. Mrs. Bernie, Mrs. Pastor, on, uh, on her special day. And um, just so love this couple and all that you're doing. And you, you said your brother has, or your son has, farms property in Tipton County? That's one county south of where I grew up. So I grew up right in Howard County. So, And we're all cornfields up there, too. So anyway, well, last night uh, have, after dinner, or during dinner, I guess, we were talking, and uh, Mrs. Pastor mentioned that she likes to see and hear what God's doing in different parts of the world. And so I'm going to show a couple pictures. To um, uh, First of all, those are the countries that I've had the privilege of preaching in over the years. The only one that's different since last year, we added China. I got to go to Shanghai, China in um, September of last year and spent uh, time in Shanghai, and that was a lot of fun, but those are the countries I preached in. The next picture shows, uh, those are the books that Pastor David referred to. Now, the books on the right are the ones in English, and the books on the left are the foreign translations. Those are you know, going into, and there's more that have come out uh, that we haven't updated the picture. But uh, in that picture, there's Indonesian, there's Portuguese, Spanish, Russian, uh, Greek, German, uh, French. Um, I may be missing one or two. But anyway, uh, those are the countries that uh, the books have come out that we've been able to get pictures of so far. The next slide is what Pastor David referred to. Those are the ones in Arabic. And we've got books coming out in the country of Egypt, um, 3,000 copies of each of those four books. Two of them are already done, the one on the far left and the one on the far right. And the two middle books are just about to be released. They're in the printing and finalized translating process. The next picture is the gentleman uh, who um, helped translate the books. And uh, he's holding some copies of the Grace book. And uh, that guy happens to be real influential in Egypt. And um, so uh, I won't go into that, but he's, he's been instrumental in helping us in a lot of ways there. And then one final picture are the... Uh, oh, I'm sorry, we've got a couple more pictures, I guess. That, that's what the book looks like in Arabic. Uh, that's the Grace book. And um, if you happen to stop and look at the book, it's kind of a thick book, but in Arabic it's about twice as thick. And they said it takes a lot more words in Arabic than it does in English. I don't understand that. So, um, but anyway, so that's, that's what the page looks like. And then another thing that we do, the final picture, is our website. Um, we endeavor to get good teaching resources, materials, uh, to pastors in other countries, missionaries in other countries uh, who may not have the advantages that we've had of all the great Bible teaching and Bible schools and all that. Um, so we pour a lot of resources into our website uh, to help impact and influence missionaries and leaders in, in other countries as well. So anyway, um, that, I just wanted to show you, just you mentioned that last night, so I thought, well, let's show, show some pictures here. 
and uh, demonstrate that. But let's go ahead. Let's pray. And uh, as we get into the Word of God this morning, let's just ask for uh, eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to believe. Uh, God's precious word. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this privilege to be with this precious church family. And Lord, I thank you for all that you've done, the way that you've poured life and love and healing and the spirit of God into these lives. Uh, at this place, Father, we thank you. This is a place where your Holy Spirit is welcome to move, where your word is honored, where the name of Jesus is exalted, where we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we present our lives to you today for you to speak to us, to pour into us, to minister to us. And, Father, cause us, uh, Father, to be transformed and changed into the very uh, nature and, and the character of the Lord Jesus developed and expressed in us and through us, Father. We want to have full maturity in our lives. We want to outgrow and overcome carnality. And, and, Father, just become all that you've ordained us to be. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Well, I know we are a few weeks away from Easter, uh, but I want to talk to you today about resurrection. I want to talk to you not just about a day, you know, where we acknowledge something that happened in the past, but I want to talk to you about an event, the resurrection event, and what that means to us in terms of a, a, a process that gets inaugurated and developed through our lives uh, on a day-to-day basis. How many of you know the resurrection should affect us every day of our life? And uh, I want to illustrate this. So um, is it Henry on the end? Is this Henry? I want you to come up. Can you mind being an example for me, an object lesson? Henry, I want you to come right over here and just stand here. Um, You're going to represent the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Can you do that? You can try. All right. Very good. Uh, Henry, I, I don't want you to think of this as Henry anymore. This, he is the resurrection of Jesus, something that happened, a historical event that actually happened, what, close to 2,000 years ago. And uh, then is it Donnie? Is it Donnie? You, you come on up here too, please. Come on up here. And uh, Donnie is going to, re- he's not Donnie anymore. Donnie, for the next few minutes, is going to represent a a future event. Henry represents a historical event. You're going to represent a future event of the resurrection of believers in the future. How many of you know there's coming a day when Jesus is going to come back and all of us are going to get brand new glorified bodies? All right? Whatever you don't like about your body, it's all going to get fixed. So... um, you know, uh, but, but Henry represents the past. Uh, Donnie represents the future, but they both represent resurrection. The resurrection of and the future resurrection of believers. All of our bodies are going to get resurrected in the future. So, so let's talk about this, you know, just a little bit. And um, the question that we're going to talk about today You know, most everybody pretty much knows about the historical resurrection of Jesus. I mean, even people that don't believe in God will tell you, oh, the Easter, that's when Christians, 
you know, celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, whether they believe it or not. But, but most people know about this past historical event. And then some people know that they, they hear about this future resurrection when the dead are going to be raised and, you know, we who are alive are going to get brand new bodies and we're going to be changed. Most Christians know to some degree about this future resurrection of believers. But the question that we're going to be talking about this morning and tonight is what happens in between? All right? It's, it's great that something wonderful happened in the past, and it's, it's great that something wonderful is going to happen in the future, but here's my question. What's happening now? Not the sweet by and by, but what about the rotten here and now? All right? This day-to-day existence that we have. Here's the question that we're looking at. Is there something that happened from that resurrection and something about this resurrection that can really significantly and dramatically influence me in between these two events? All right. Let's look at what the Bible has to say about these, um, because the resurrection, uh, you know, the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead is the differentiating factor between Christianity and every other quote unquote religion in the world. I don't even think of Christianity as a religion. I think of Christianity as a relationship with God. Religions are things that man invents and man creates, but Christianity is what God initiated in us in offering us a covenant relationship with himself through his son. You see every religion can say, oh to Christians, they can say, oh you have a founder We have a founder. Your founder taught, you know, principles of wisdom and how to live. Our our founder taught us principles of wisdom and how to live. Your founder has a bunch of followers. Our founder has a bunch of followers. Your followers meet in buildings. Our followers meet in buildings. But, But the Christian can say, yes, all that's true. But our founder rose from the dead. And that that differentiates what we believe and what we have from every other faith, religious group in the world. Our Savior, our founder, the Lord Jesus Christ, rose from the dead. He's the only one that conquered death. And that's what makes Christianity different. But, but we read, and, and let's just look at a couple of scriptures. Luke chapter 24, uh, when Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus showed up. Uh, his disciples were together. And remember, they had been terrified. They were afraid of the authorities. They were afraid of the Romans. They were afraid of the Jewish rulers. They were afraid of their own shadow. And their, their leader had been crucified. And they were afraid. And Luke twenty four thirty six says, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. They thought that this must be a ghost. Now, you understand, 
if you saw somebody that you had followed closely for three and a half years brutally beaten and crucified and you saw them dead and you saw him taken down from the cross and buried and three days later he's standing there looking at you, you understand how that would be a little bit unsettling? All right. They were terrified. They thought they had seen a ghost. But Jesus said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? And I want you to look at verse 39. Jesus holds out his hands. He says, behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself handle me and see me. Uh, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy, now the joy is starting to show up, all right? While they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, do you have any food here? Ever since then, Christians have always had food whenever they get together. You just, you can't have a Christian gathering without food. You know, uh, even at the, the conference on fasting, they have snacks and refreshments. Jesus said, do you have any food here? And so they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and he ate it in their presence. Here's the thing I want you to understand. Jesus was not raised as some kind of spirit vapor, you know, some kind of ethereal, wispy, you know, fog type spirit ghost thing. No, Jesus was raised physically from the dead. All right. It was the very same body that he had lived on in this earth, but it was a glorified body. It was a transformed, glorified body, but it was a body. It was his body. And, and he even ate, you know, to demonstrate that, hey, this is a real deal. OK. Now, the reason that's so important is because whatever happened to Jesus was the prototype it was the forerunner of what is going to happen to us. Because Jesus' body was raised from the dead, it was a, a prefiguring, a prototype, a forerunning example of what is going to happen in the future. So now we're going to leave the resurrection of Jesus and we're going to go over to some future event that you think is Donnie, but it's really not Donnie. This is the resurrection of believers. All right? And here, here is what, here's what 1 Corinthians 15:51 says. And Paul's talking about the future. He says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. We shall not all sleep. And the word sleep is used, and, and, and Pastor David referred to this, it's used metaphorically or symbolically of physical death because a, a person who, you know, if you're seeing a body that's dead, it looks like they're asleep. But that's just a, a euphemism for death. Paul says we shall not all sleep or we're not all going to die physically, but we shall all be changed. In other words, some Christians have already died and their bodies are asleep in the grave, so to speak. Um, their spirits are in heaven with the Lord. But when Jesus returns, 
Well, let's just read what happens. Verse 52, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall all be changed. The dead will be raised incorruptible, but all of us, whether we've already died or we're still living, we're going to be changed. There's going to be a transformation of our bodies. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Now, let me explain something about the people that were listening to Paul and the people that Paul was teaching you know, back in the first century, the Corinthians, uh, they were predominantly of Greek background. And the Greeks had a set of beliefs about life and about the nature of man and even about the physical body. And the message that Jesus brought and the message that the New Testament teaches was radically different than what the Greeks believed. The Greeks believed that the physical body was evil, that it was some kind of prison that, you know, death would set a person free from. So the idea of a physical body being brought back to life, to them, they just couldn't imagine. Why would God want to bring back a physical body? I mean, the body is, is a prison. You know, the best thing in the world is to get rid of your body. But you know what? The message of the Bible is this. Jesus died for all of you. He died for your spirit, for your soul, and for your body. Now, people, a lot of times, they don't like their body. You know, they hate their body. They, they wish they had a different body. Um, but... And we understand that the Bible says that because of man's original sin, because of the original sin of Adam and Eve, uh, human bodies are subject to death. That was never part of the plan of God. That's why the Bible says the outward man perishes. All right? We don't like that, do we? But the Bible nowhere teaches that our bodies are an evil prison to get out of. The Bible teaches that we are to present our bodies to God, a living sacrifice that is holy and acceptable to God. The Bible says that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Bible teaches us that we are to glorify God in our bodies and that we are to present ourselves to God as those who have been raised from the dead and, and that we are to present... Now, spiritually, we've been raised from the dead. Our bodies have not been raised from the dead yet. All right? Spiritually, we've already been raised from the dead with Jesus but in the meantime, the Bible says that we are to present our members, that means our hands, our feet, our mouth, every part of our body, we are to present our members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So people sometimes ask the question, well, are our bodies good or evil? And, and to be honest, it depends on what you do with your body. You know, I can take my fist and go, you know, punch somebody and my body has become an instrument of evil. 
or I can take my hand and reach in my wallet and take some money and hand it to somebody in need. Now my hand has become an instrument of good. The goodness or evilness of our body kind of depends on what we do with it. Spiritually, we've been raised from the dead with Christ, but our bodies... We have to present them to God as a living sacrifice. Do you know you can use your mouth to cuss somebody out? Or you can use your mouth to praise God? You decide whether your body will be an instrument of unrighteousness or an instrument of righteousness. But here's the deal. Jesus was raised from the dead 2,000 years ago. Sometime in the future, I don't know, it could be tomorrow for all I know, sometime in the future, Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, there, the trumpet is going to blow. And, and the Bible says the dead in Christ will rise first. So all those people who've been buried, uh, there's going to be a lot of... You know, cemeteries get messed up when Jesus comes back. I, I, I don't know how that'll happen, but God can handle it. But but people are raised from the dead, and and we who are alive and remain, the Bible says we will be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. We're going to get new glorified bodies. All right, and and we're going to live in those new glorified bodies forever. All right. So you guys can go ahead and be seated. Thank you very much. Didn't they do a good job being Jesus and the resurrection? Now, here's what I want to get to. A lot of Christians know about the resurrection past. A lot of Christians know about the resurrection future. But they don't know how to live in between those two resurrections with a resurrection power. Now, imagine for a minute, what kind of power plants do you guys have out here? Is it water power, nuclear power, solar power? A lot of solar power. Okay, very good. So let's say that I'm in, you know, XYZ town, California, and 20 miles this direction is a massive solar power plant. Is there 20, what, 20 miles from here? Okay. And 20 miles the other direction is another massive solar power plant. But here in XYZ, California, I have no power. Wouldn't that be silly to live between a power plant over here and a power plant over here, but I have no power? That would be the picture of a Christian who's living between the historical resurrection of Jesus and the future resurrection of believers, but has no resurrection power now. We are, called to, we are not called to live a religious life. We are called to live a resurrection life. The power of the resurrection for the Christian, is not just historical, and it's not just future. There is a power of resurrection for us right now. Let me illustrate this. John chapter 11, verse 23. We're going to look at this from the New Living Translation. How many of you remember uh, Jesus had some friends? And uh, they, it was Lazarus was his friend, and, and Lazarus, two sisters, Mary and Martha. And um, Jesus got word that Lazarus was sick. 
And instead of rushing to Lazarus, Jesus intentionally waited. And Lazarus died. And Jesus shows up four days later. And um, his, his sisters especially were very upset. And, and uh, Martha said, Jesus, if you had been here, uh, my brother wouldn't have died. And look at what Jesus said to her in John eleven twenty three. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. See, the Jews believed in resurrection. The Greeks did not. She says, yes, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Now, that's understandable that she would say that because that's what all of them believed. And it was true. Everyone will rise at the last day. But Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Now, this was a radical idea to Martha because her whole understanding of resurrection was that resurrection was entirely future that it was nothing more than an event. But Jesus gives her this idea. It's not that the resurrection is not an event, but the resurrection is also a person. It's me. I am the resurrection, and I am the life. How many times do believers take the blessings of God and say, well, when we get to heaven, everything will be wonderful then. Everything will be wonderful in heaven. And yes, it will. But are there some elements? I understand this is not a glorified body. Uh, we get a glorified body later. But, but all the blessings are not shoved off into future heaven. The old preachers used to say this. They understood heaven was glorious and wonderful, no enemies, no problems and all that. But what old preachers would say was, I want a little bit of heaven to go to heaven in. You get that? I want a little bit of heaven to go to heaven in. In other words, there should be something about heaven that influences the here and the now. We are not just beggars in life thinking, well, all of God's blessings are over there, and I have nothing for right now. See, that's what Martha was thinking. In the resurrection, such and such will happen. But Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Turn with me in, in your Bibles. Actually, this is going to be in the Amplified, so you can probably read it on the screen. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. Here's what I'm proposing to you today. That just like the old preachers said, I want a little bit of heaven to go to heaven in. I believe that we can have a little bit of resurrection while we await the resurrection. There's some resurrection power and life for us right now to experience and to enjoy. Listen to what Paul said. Uh, Philippians 3.10 in the Amplified. It's on the screen. He says, for my determined purpose is that I may know Him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of His person more strongly 
and more clearly. You know what he's saying there? I want to know Jesus more. How many of you know you can know Jesus more than you know him now? Our, our life with Him, this is why we read the Bible, this is why we pray, this is why we go to church. Not just to be doing religious stuff, but so we can know Jesus better. And, and this word know refers to a personal experiential knowledge. It's not just theoretical, conceptual, philosophical. When Paul says, I want to know Jesus more... It means personally and experientially. How many of you know the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good? And then the very next part says, and that I may in the same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection that it exerts over believers. How many of you know we want to know Jesus more? But did you know in the same way we are to come to personally and experientially come to know the power that is outflowing from His resurrection? How many of you know what the word Fukushima refers to? Fukushima. Say, is that an ancient Greek or Hebrew word? No, it's a Japanese word for the place where they had their nuclear accident a few years ago. You remember the Fukushima nuclear power plant? Um, it was right on the shore of, of the ocean there in Japan, and they had a tsunami. They had a tidal wave come in, and it destroyed or brought tons of salt water in. And, and that nuclear reactor melted down. And when that nuclear reactor melted down, it released uh, radioactive particles into the atmosphere and into the ocean. Did you know that on the West Coast, on the Pacific Coast, uh, scientists are picking up very, very small radioactive measurements that have come across the Pacific from the Fukushima nuclear plant meltdown. How many of you know that? How many of you, that's information you've read about in the news? Just like that nuclear plant has had power flowing out from it all the way. Now, they're saying it's not harmful or anything, but they're saying there's micro traces of that radioactivity that have come all the way to the west coast of the United States. I believe in the same way Certainly not something destructive, but in a constructive way. When Jesus was raised from the dead 2,000 years ago, there is still resurrection power that is flowing out of His resurrection. That can that Listen to this again. And that in the same way I can come to know the power outflowing from His resurrection, which it exerts over believers. There is power flowing from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is still power flowing. You know, we sing about how the blood will never, ever lose its power. Listen, the resurrection will never, ever lose its power. And just as we can come to know Jesus personally and experientially, we can come to know the power outflowing the resurrection, which it exerts over believers. 
And he goes on to say, and, and that I may so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, even to his death. How many of you know that when we embrace Jesus, we don't just embrace his resurrection life, we embrace his death also. We embrace his suffering. And there's a certain element where, just like Jesus said no to certain things, that we say no to certain things. Jesus died to sin, and we die to sin. We share in his suffering and his death, and, and so that we can be transformed in spirit into his likeness, even to his death, in the hope, now listen, look at verse 11, in the hope that if possible, I may attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead, even while I'm in my body. According to, if, if I'm understanding this right, if, if Paul is saying this, uh, and it's being handled right by the Amplified Bible, that we as Christians can attain... We know that we're all going to attain to a, a physical resurrection. Did you know that even unbelievers are going to be raised physically from the dead? That's a whole other story. But everybody is going to be raised physically from the dead. Believer, unbeliever. There's no question about that. What Paul is saying here, and this is why he says, if, is there is also a spiritual and a moral resurrection that lifts us out from among the dead even while we are in our bodies. Here's what I'm saying. You don't have to wait until the resurrection to experience some of the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. Now, Pastor Bernie, you've shared with me on different occasions your family background and what are some of the terms that you have used publicly to describe your family background? Thugs, gangsters, killers, drunks, addicts, bad guys. Okay, you don't have to add more unless I think that we get the picture. Is there, but, are, but are there any others? That's the New Living Translation. Yeah, I'd like to hear the King James Version of that. Um, yeah, the Amplified would be very interesting. So, so let's go over that again. You came out of a family background environment of thugs, gangsters, killers, gamblers, addicts, drunks, bad people. Okay. But you met Jesus. You met Jesus. And He is the resurrection and the life. It's not just an event in the future where you're going to get a new body, I'm going to get a new body. But how many of you know that, that the, the, the power outflowing the resurrection has exerted an influence over Pastor Bernie? And he has attained... Like Paul was saying, man, this is my aspiration, this is my goal. He has attained to a spiritual and moral resurrection that has lifted him out from among the dead. Because those folks were spiritually dead, and there were all kinds of evidences of death. You know, everything you just described with addicts and, 
and gangsters and thugs and all that, those are just symptoms of death. Those are symptoms of sin and death working in the human race. But, but because Pastor Bernie met Jesus and because he made a determined purpose to know Jesus more and more, as you've gotten to know Jesus more and more, there's been a spiritual and moral resurrection that has lifted Pastor Bernie out from among the dead even while he's in his body. Isn't that awesome? And then we see the influence of the, the life of God that's been at work in you and, and Mrs. Pastor, working in your kids and your grandkids and working in all your spiritual kids here. This, the, how many of you know that when you come into High Desert uh, Word Center, there, there's a, a spiritual resurrection that there's just an, an updraft at work in here to, to lift you out from among the dead even while you're in your body? All right. Now, let's look at another passage of Scripture, Philippians 3.12. Picking up, now we're going to read this in the New King James. After Paul says that, he says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected. Now, Pastor Bernie, let me ask you this, since we're kind of using you as an example. You've, You've had some spiritual and moral resurrection working in your life. Does that mean you're flawlessly perfect? Does that mean you're as far along as you're going to be like next month or next year? So you've had incredible spiritual lift working in your life, but you're saying there's still more to go. Okay, so that's what Paul's saying too. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus." There is still, now, now as, as, as much progress as Pastor Bernie has experienced in his walk with God, there's always more. The Bible, Paul said, now we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when the perfect is come, you know, and, and then we'll know fully. Well, that's when we're in heaven with Jesus. That's when, you know, we'll, we'll reach the pinnacle. But in the meantime, Pastor Bernie is, is not... Uh, sitting there thinking, well, I've arrived. He's, he's still committed to spiritual growth. And um, Paul said, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call. So he's reaching forward, and there's an upward call. Everybody say forward and upward. That's what Paul talked about. Paul said, I'm reaching forward and I'm wanting to get that, tap into that upward call. Do you know, every time I get in, on an airplane, that plane, first of all, goes forward and then it goes upward. It goes forward and upward. And I'm, no, I'm no, by no means any kind of aerodynamic uh, expert. I just looked up a couple things. You know, how does a plane fly? Um, 
And a, a plane flies because of two laws of physics. The law of thrust that pushes it forward and the law of lift that takes it upward. If you've ever flown in a plane, the first thing you feel is not up. The first thing you feel, actually you feel yourself pulled back. Have you ever felt that? That's because the plane is experiencing thrust. Thrust is pushing the plane forward and then as it picks up speed, lift takes it upward. Not only do those two laws have to be in operation, thrust and lift, but two laws have to be overcome. The law of drag, which pulls the plane back, and the law of gravity, which pulls the plane down. So a plane flies when thrust and lift are greater than drag and gravity. A Christian flies, how many of you know the Bible says we will mount up with wings like eagles? When the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus overpowers the law of sin and death, we not only get born again by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but we get, we get lift, we get uh, forward and upward uh, energy from heaven to uh, make forward progress in our life and to make upward progress. Uh, look at Romans 6, 4. Uh, how many of you have been water baptized here? You've been water baptized. Uh, do, do you guys baptize here at the church or you take them somewhere else right here? And uh, do, you, do you take them all the way under? Uh, how many of you have been baptized here at High Desert? Let me see your hand. A lot of you have been baptized here. Um, why, why did they take you under the water? Somebody tell me. Sins to be washed away. That's part of the symbolism. What else? It's a public witness. New life in Jesus. But specifically, why did they take you under the water? I mean, that doesn't even seem nice. It demonstrates repentance and that you've cut yourself off from your past. Yes. Immersion in the blood of Jesus. Everybody's right. It represents death. It represents being buried. Um, here's what Romans 6, 4 says. We were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. So, who, who does most of the baptizing? Does, you, you guys share? They're, they're both pointing this way. Uh, so, when, when either Pastor Bernie or Pastor David, when they stood before you and you know, at different groups do it different. But, but at some point, um, they took you and they helped. They lowered you down into that water. That represents a grave. That represents that just like Jesus was dead and put in a grave, buried in a grave, that you too died with Christ. 
Now, let me just tell you something. You always want to go to a church that believes in the full gospel. Because if a church only believed in half of the gospel, they would put you under the water and keep you there. You want a church that believes in the death and resurrection. Because, because, and you don't want them to forget. Now, what's the other part of that? What's it? See, they're died with Christ. I know there's an, oh yeah, and raised. When you are brought up out of the water, it, it symbolizes that just like Jesus was raised from the dead and came out of the grave, that you too have been raised with Christ to walk in the newness of life. So it speaks of what Jesus did and your connection with it. You're, you're, you're identifying with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. But notice what Paul goes on to say in Romans 6, 4. We were buried with Him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. See, our identification with the death, burial, and resurrection brings us into a brand new life. This is referring to our walk, our lifestyle. So, you remember I pointed out that, uh, you know, we had the, the resurrection of Jesus over here, and we had the future resurrection of believers over here, but what about in the meantime? In the meantime, there is power flowing from the resurrection of Jesus Christ, exerting its influence in us now, enabling us to experience uh, being raised spiritually and morally from the dead. And because of the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus, in the present tense right now, we can walk in newness of life. See, we're not called to live a resurrection life. I'm sorry, a religious life. We are called to live a resurrection life. How much is the power of the resurrection influencing us day to day? How much does it influence our attitude, our joy, our obedience, our walking in the fruit of the Spirit? The resurrection life of Jesus Christ is the power source for the believer. Flip a couple chapters over to Romans 8, Romans 8, 11, and let's look at how much this resurrection life can influence us. Romans 8, 11, and we're going to look at it in the New Living Translation. It says, Romans 8, 11, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. You have the resurrecting one in you. Now, Jesus said, I am what? I am the resurrection. How many of you know the Bible says, Christ in you the hope of glory. So, in whatever sense, we have Christ, the resurrected one, living in us. 
And we have the Spirit of God, the resurrecting one living in us. We've got resurrection in us. Now, it's not, it's not completely manifested yet. In other words, our bodies haven't been completely transformed and changed to where they'll never die again. That's going to happen. But in the meantime, we have the resurrecting one and the resurrected one living on the inside of us. And it says, and just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal body by the same Spirit living within you. There's some resurrection working in us now. There's some resurrection that can work in our bodies. I just read where Billy Graham's daughter said just in the last week or two that when we're tired and when we're weary and things like that, that that we should look to the resurrecting Spirit of God to energize us. Now, I'm all for rest and healthy diet and exercise and all that. But we also ought to believe that the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is living in us. And because the same Spirit lives in us, He can quicken our mortal body. Now, some people think, well, that's referring to the future resurrection. Well, in in a sense, it, it could But a lot of great theologians and scholars throughout history have said, no, this is not referring to our bodies that have died. This is referring to our bodies that are mortal while while we're still in them. John Calvin, who was the main theologian for all the Reformation and out of which all the Lutherans and Baptists and Presbyterians and all that came, he did not believe that that Romans 8.11... Uh, referred to the final resurrection. He believed it applied to the Spirit quickening us right now while we're in our bodies just day-to-day, day-to-day life. What would our marriages look like if we had some resurrection life working in our marriages? Uh, what would our, you know, just our, our serving in church, our generosity, if, if we just constantly had a little bit of resurrection life uh, you know, working on the inside of us. Uh, Ephesians, let's look at a couple more scriptures. Ephesians 1, 19, New Living Translation. Paul says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated Him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Did you catch that? I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. It's the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Listen to that in the Amplified Bible. In the Amplified Bible it says, And so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of His power in and for us who believe as demonstrated in the working of His mighty strength which He exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Do you know what that's saying? That is saying that the same power 
that raised Jesus from the dead is available to work in us and for us even now. You know, I just wonder, Pastor Bernie, to what degree have we tapped into that? To what degree have we, you know, have we tapped into it 1%? Have we tapped into it 3% or 5%? I, I don't know. But I just believe there's, there's so much of the resurrection power of God that's available to work in us and for us to, to, to quicken our spirit. Our spirit has already been born again. Our uh, minds are being renewed by the Word of God, but we can even have our bodies, while we're still here, our bodies can be quickened, strengthened. You know, Brother Hagen told the story about how when he got raised up off the bed of sickness, that um, he got a job. Now, he'd been bedfast for 16 months, and... Um, he had been paralyzed most of that time, and, and so his muscles had all gotten extremely weak and atrophied. And um, he got a job, and this was back in the Depression, uh, coming out of the Depression, I guess. He got a job at a nursery where they worked with trees and bushes and stuff, and his job was to go and pull up, I guess they were peach trees that were like one year old. They had to pull them up, and he said he didn't have any strength. But he would quote this scripture. He, he, he would quote, and he said there were all these strong young men, and they would joke about, well, you're not going to make it. And, and he would say, the Lord is the strength of my life. And the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is quickening my mortal body. And he said he'd go out feeling so weak and, and just feeling like passing out. And... Um, he said, but he, he'd quote that scripture again and again. The Lord is the strength of my life. And the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me and he quickens my mortal body. And he said that for the first tree or two each day, um, he said he'd just feel like he couldn't do it, that he was going to pass out. But he just kept believing. He said, and something would come into him. He said it was like electricity would come into his body and he would sense strength. And he said he outworked all those other boys because he believed that he had the Spirit of God working on the inside of him. Let me share one more scripture with you and then we're going to break and we're going to come back tonight and look at some other things. 2 Corinthians 3, 7 in the Amplified Bible. I believe that God wants us to walk in resurrection life while we are awaiting the resurrection. Uh, Resurrection life works in us to create a spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts us out from among the dead even while we're in our bodies. And the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us to quicken our mortal bodies. We can be affected by the resurrection, spirit, soul, and body. Second uh, Corinthians 3, 7, Amplified, Paul says, However, we possess this precious treasure... The divine light of the gospel in frail human vessels of earth. That the grandeur and exceeding greatness of the power may be shown to be from God and not from ourselves. We are hedged in, pressed on every side, troubled and oppressed in every way. 
but we are not cramped or crushed. We suffer embarrassments and are perplexed and unable to find a way out, but we're not driven to despair. We are pursued, persecuted, and hard-driven, but not deserted to stand alone. We are struck down to the ground, but never struck out and destroyed. Can any of you relate to any of that, to any measure? Has life ever just beat you up occasionally? You know, I'm not saying today that we're already in heaven. We're not already in heaven. We live in a fallen world where there's all kinds of junk, pressures, problems, trials, difficulties and things like that. And Paul's saying, yeah, I've been through the ringer. And to be honest, Paul, because of the intense persecution that he went through, suffered more than most of us have ever thought about suffering. But he he went through all those rough times, but he said we're always caring about in the body the liability and exposure to the same putting to death that the Lord Jesus suffered, so that the same so that the resurrection life of Jesus also may be shown forth by and in our bodies. For we who live are constantly experiencing being handed over to death for Jesus' sake that the resurrection life of Jesus also may be evidenced through our flesh, which is liable to death. Even though we live in a world where there are threats and there are pressures and problems and persecutions, Paul said that the resurrection life of Jesus is always at work in and through our very bodies. I don't know about you, but I share Paul's desire when he said, My determined purpose is to know him more intimately, more deeply, experientially, and in the same way to know the power outflowing his resurrection, which it exerts in and through the lives of believers. Here's what I'm saying. As Christians, we're all going to be resurrected physically. Even unbelievers are going to be resurrected physically. But we have the opportunity by knowing Jesus and by walking with Him to know experientially the power of resurrection while we are waiting for the resurrection. I want to know resurrection power. I want to have resurrection power in my marriage. I want to have resurrection power in my finances. I want to have resurrection power in in the the way I talk to others. I want to have resurrection power in my moral life. I I want to have that lift, that thrust, uh, that touch of heaven. I I want a little bit of resurrection to go to, to wait for the resurrection with. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you were raised from the dead. And that because you were raised from the dead, you offer something unique. You are the resurrection and the life. And Lord, when we come into contact with you, when we come into relationship with you, you are the resurrection and the life to us. Your resurrection power creates within us a brand new spiritual nature. We are born again. We are new creatures in Christ. But then your resurrection power also works in our minds, in our souls, in our relationships, in our words, in our conduct, in our bodies, 
in every dimension of our life. And Father, I pray that You'll help each and every one of us walk in resurrection life. Raised from the dead, raised from among the dead, even while we're in our bodies. Father, in Your presence there's fullness of joy. There's peace. There's righteousness. There's acceptance. There's comfort. There's healing. And, and your resurrection power lifts us into it. And Father, we just thank you for that. We give you glory for that. We give you praise for that. And Father, I just pray that right now, whatever areas that people are facing discouragement, we pray that there will be a fresh wind of resurrection power. Lord, there, there are people here who've been troubled, who've been worried. Father, let resurrection life flow into that. That the resurrection says there's always hope. There's always a future. There's always something greater than the power of sin and death. Father, let worries melt away. Let concerns melt away. Let fear melt away in, 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 under the influence of the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. Lord, some things that people have been about to give up on that they ought not to give up on. Lord, we speak resurrection hope, new beginnings, new life. Father, we want resurrection life to influence every part of who we are, everything that we have. Lord, in, in resurrection life, there is not, the word hopeless does not exist. The word impossible does not exist. There's nothing too difficult for you. And all things are possible to him who believes. All things are possible with God. Father, I just pray that people will breathe deeply hope. Breathe deeply hope. People who've been uptight, worried, fearful. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there's new life. There's new hope. There's new beginnings. There are fresh starts. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Lord, the power of sin cannot hold people back. The, the bondages of the past cannot keep them bound. New life. Father, we thank You for new life for Your people. We give You praise for it. We give You honor for it. In Jesus' precious, mighty and holy name. Now, we're not quitting per se. We're just going to pick up here tonight. We're going to pick up right here tonight. And I, I want to share a message with you tonight. It, it pertains to resurrection, but it's, I want to talk about where Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind. Because so many Christians are held prisoner to their past. Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are before. There are some people who have never let go of their past. Their past is still hounding them, dominating them. They, they've partaken of some of the blessings of God, but, but the past is still dogging them. If you know somebody that's really bound by their past, they just can't get, they can't forgive themselves, they can't forgive somebody else, I want you to bring them tonight. And, and uh, you know, if you're all free from all your past, wonderful. 
but, but you can get some information tonight that's going to help you minister to and set other people free. Because God wants us set free from our past. When Paul said, I'm forgetting those things which are behind and I'm reaching forward to those things which are before, it was right in the context of experiencing resurrection life, moving forward and moving upward. That's what God wants from each and every one of us. Amen? Amen. Pastor Bernie. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.